day off yesterday. Can't remember the last time I had a true 100% day off. No games to cover, nowhere to travel, nothing really to write about, talk about. So I found some work to do anyway. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. But this show is about baseball, and that's actually where I put my time yesterday. For anybody who doesn't know, the Hall of Fame voting deadline is always New Year's Eve. And what I like to do as a voter, this is my fifth year where I've been trusted with that, is use the month as necessary. Use the whole month. Spread it out. Commit a day to a player, to a candidate, particularly the first-year guys where I haven't been able to do the research, but also through players who are returning on the ballot. I've had more than one occasion already in the short time I've been voting of going back over a candidacy or being uh, given new information by someone who's pushing for that candidacy, and it opens my eyes a little bit, and I'll take my own look and go, hey, you know what, maybe I undersold this individual, and I'll cast a vote for him. But most of it's done like this, where I'll just spend the day going through stuff. So this ballot, as those of you who know and love baseball undoubtedly already know, is loaded with cheaters. I don't refer to them as PED guys or steroids this or that or controversial. They're just cheaters. So, of course, I end up getting stuck in one of these rabbit holes where I end up reading a bunch of stuff about a lot of them. And in the process, in the process, I came across something that I wanted to share with you today is on ESPN, and it's available. It's not uh, behind their their premium wall, and it's written by Dan Zimborski. If you're familiar with his work, uh, that's because he's been the editor at Fangraphs for a while. He also contributes to ESPN. He did an extraordinary analysis, very much up Dan's alley, where he attempted to quantify the impact of Bond's cheating and what kind of numbers he would have had had he never cheated, had he never gone to San Francisco, hooked up with Balco, and done all the stuff that's been so intensely and undeniably documented, regardless of whether or not he passed a test. The weakest excuse that exists. And here is what Dan came up with. The 762 home runs that big-headed Barry ended up totaling should have been, would have been, 551 had he never cheated. 
I hear you. I, I, I hear you that, oh, how do you come up with that? Who knows what this and that? And he was a Hall of Fame player in Pittsburgh before he ever went to San Francisco and all this other crap that I've heard over the years. This reflexive repeating of stuff that you hear on the radio. The fact is, cheating matters. And this is the first time I've seen someone put together this kind, this level of analysis to support it. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. More from Dan's work. Instead of hitting the 73 home runs, I'm quoting directly here, by the way, in 2001 that Bonds did, the Zips projection, that's what Dan refers to as the model that's used here, suggests that Bonds would have hit only 23 that year, plus or minus a couple. And where he actually hit 209 homers in the four seasons that he was connected to Balco, 2001 to 2004, he should have hit just 66. So I'm going to repeat those again. The 73 home run year should have been 23. The 209 homers over four seasons should have been 66. He also wouldn't have played the final year of his career. Now, I'm not going to bore everyone to tears here and read all of Dan's processes and data and what he used to achieve these numbers. But I am going to tell you that this is one of the most respected and impartial people in our industry, meaning the baseball reporting industry. And what's most striking from my own eyes, the analytics community has been among the most vocal in favor of allowing bonds into the hall, presumably because analytics don't take into account things like character, and character is one of the mandates, mandates, requirements that voters must consider in order to vote someone into the hall. This isn't complicated. In fact, this isn't even about the numbers that Dan comes up with or whatever projections we might have in our head for how much or how little Bonds' cheating affected his career once he got out to San Francisco. It's not about any of those things. Everyone knows he cheated. There's no one, including Bonds himself, by the way, who denies that. Once you have that, you have enough to have violated the character clause. I will repeat this for anyone who's new to my work in any capacity. The moment 
not the hour, not the day, the moment Major League Baseball and or the Hall of Fame, and they work together, but they're separate entities, eliminate the character clause, I will be the first to vote for Bonds and for any of the cheaters who have enough numbers to get in. Simple as that. I don't make the rules. I'm following them. It's the same guidelines that have been in place since the original class was voted in in 1936, the one that included Pittsburgh's own Hannes Wagner. Exact same terminology. Not one syllable has changed. And it includes the character clause. I don't care who voted for what in the 1940s or 1950s. I can't control that. That's not on my ballot. Ty Cobb being in the Hall of Fame and presumably, by all accounts, being a pretty lousy human being isn't something that I can control as a voter. He doesn't show up for me to check or uncheck his box. But this player, Bonds, does for one final ballot. And if the voters, all of them, are following the guidelines that are set rather than going off on their own tangents or saying, well, gee, Mean Barry had a really good eye and it, it's just amazing that he was able to hit the baseball the way he did and draw a thousand walks and whatever else. He cheated. He cheated. If you can answer that question, plain and simple, did he cheat or did he not cheat? then you know whether or not he should have a vote. And if you want to dispute the extent to which his cheating mattered, I would put forth humbly that you go right ahead and read Dan Simborski's work and fully appreciate, with numbers, the extent to which Bonds cheated not only the sport of baseball, but also its honorable and truly greatest slugger of all time, Henry Aaron. When we come back, just one question. from Brian Campbell, who asks, from your experience covering baseball, what do players normally do during work stoppages? Do they play pickup games like the NBA, small workout groups, individual stuff? Well, the, the easy initial answer to your question, Brian, which is a good one, is that nothing really has changed at the moment except for one variable, and that's that the Pirates themselves, and, and any team, I'm going to use the Pirates as the example here, can't contact, can't instruct, can't work with, can't provide facilities for players who are locked out. So anyone who wanted, for example, to go to Pirate City to get some work in, to 
hit out of the cages to, I don't know, you, you couldn't really throw off a mound or something. You, you have throwing exercises that you do, but you wouldn't be doing them off a mound without supervision. They wouldn't be able to do that. They're not allowed. And that matters because a lot of these players live in or near the Bradenton area specifically for that purpose. So what you will see, and what Alex Stumpf, our beat writer at DK Pittsburgh Sports, has flown down twice now in the past month to cover in Bradenton, are rookies and other uh, young players and prospects who are not on the 40-man roster partaking in activities, organized activities, by the team with team supervision, team instruction. Why? Because the minor league players are not in the Major League Baseball Players Association. So they're free from any uh, obligations whatsoever to the union. There's not any connection, legally or otherwise. So what do the regular players do? Right now, Brian, uh, they would be just working out as if by mid-February they'll be showing up when pitchers and catchers do at Pirate City. Uh, There's no reason to do otherwise. No one's been told that spring training is canceled. No one's been told that any portion of the regular season has been canceled. And in fact, both sides say everything to the contrary. So there's no reason to change anything yet. Where this becomes an issue, and I mean a major issue, maybe more in baseball than in any other sport, is when you get closer. Because, oh... As I said, pitching is a different beast. It's not like anything in the other major team sports. Uh, it requires a real buildup. It requires a mechanical approach. And it requires medical supervision. Uh, believe it or not, you can't just go step on a mound and start firing strikes. You need to have people there watching you. And that's not some newfangled thing. That's been true forever. So it's going to be very, very interesting as, as we get closer. But right now, it's just, it's just, you know, status quo. I appreciate the question, Brian. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one tomorrow. 